listening to The Lens, a podcast that explores the evolving world of technology and social media through the lens of Gen Z. My name is Jessica Liu, and I'm sitting down with the next generation of leaders, creators, and innovators to talk about their insight into this new generation of teens, the lessons they've learned, and how they have made an impact. Ready or not, Gen Z is here, and The Lens is your number one source to understand who they are. Hi, I'm Jessica. I'm here today with Rhea Kataria. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Rhea, and I'm a 16-year-old student living in Fremont, California. I'm really heavily involved in like activism and politics, and that's about it. <laughs> All right. So I know like recently there's the work tool that's happening when we come back from break. We both went to Irvington, and she still goes to Irvington right now, which is my high school. What's your view on that, and do you think... As students ourselves, it's important for us to be involved and how can we contribute to the cause? So I'm actually leading the student protest because teachers deserve to get paid. Like that's an underlying statement. And it's true because if you look at the cost of living in Fremont and you look at how much teachers get paid, one of my teachers can't even afford a one bedroom apartment in Fremont for a year. And that's just factoring in rent like imagine groceries mm-hmm. and taking care of he has a kid now and yeah everything like teachers do deserve better pay they deserve better conditions they don't get proper health care they have to pay for their own health care mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make sense to me that these are the people who are shaping the youth they're actually building the next generation up and they're so underappreciated yeah definitely and just to mention silicon valley itself even not just Fremont, the cost of living is just so high. I see it growing, 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 and there's almost no way of us, or like teachers especially, to yeah. be able to afford it. It's really sad because they do great and amazing things, and yet they can't afford their living costs. And I know that you're leading a student protest, and I think you see the importance of youth voices. So I guess let's talk a little bit about that. Over this whole year, like the past two years, we've seen a lot of more activism from youth. For example, the youth who are for gun control, the youth who are participating in the women's rights movement. Where do you see youth participating in? How do you see us contributing to these causes? So it sounds cheesy, but we are the future. Mm -hmm. Like literally in 10 years, we will be the CEOs, we will be the people running for Congress, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it makes sense that we're getting so heavily involved into everything. Mm -hmm. Women's rights, of course, because so many girls nowadays are so empowered to speak up and that's honestly brilliant and gun control. um, But one thing I do like about the students Mm -hmm. And their protests is yeah. in the past, people never really thought about feasible plans. We all protested. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, the youth and students especially are looking at the facts. They're looking at the statistics. They're being practical. And they're saying, these are the solutions we need to take. These are the steps we can take. And they're really focusing on creating a lasting change. Yeah. And I think before, I would say some adults would underestimate the power of youth. And over the past year, we've seen just how truly powerful we are and how if we can get our generation to bind together and actually 
go for a cause, you can actually create change. And on the topic of older generations or differences in age, do you see in your work environment or in your experiences like adults underestimating you? And how would you overcome that? So there's a whole wide range, uh, especially teachers, which mm-hmm. is coming back to this whole work through world thing, have always been really supportive of their students. Yeah. Protesting, I had a science teacher in 10th grade who would always encourage us. You know, if you believe in something, stand up, protest, make your voice heard. Mm-hmm. But you'll notice, especially like, the older generation, baby boomers especially, are more like these kids can't do anything, they're lazy, they're entitled, without really being practical and looking at the statistics. Mm-hmm. We can't buy a house because house prices are racing, not because we're eating <laughs> too much avocado or yeah. anything. And it's just thinking practically, you see a lot of older people not really believing us, which is strange because we're the ones who are actually shaping the environment and the future as it is. We've seen a lot of progress, mainly because of youth and millennial voters. Yeah, and I believe just families in general, they're very swayed by their children. If I am an adult and have a teen daughter, I think I would be definitely swayed by my teen daughter because I think we're pretty convincing. Yeah. If we want something, we would continue to ask our parents. Bring up statistics. <laughs> Here's the facts, like, let's do this. Yeah. So I think we do have such a great power and voice to make change. And one thing about living in the area is that we're so, so motivated. And maybe some of that is kind of negative because we want to outperform the person next to us. Mm-hmm. It's misplaced, but we're doing things. We yeah. are pushing forward. I think our intentions just need to be better, mm-hmm. but we're getting there. And we have such a hub of connections and networks and opportunities that we have so much space to grow, um, which is great. Being in the Bay Area has definitely influenced how we grew up and our ideals and motivations, which is definitely a great thing. And I would never want to leave this area. Yeah. It's like tech and everything in one area, which yeah. is totally great. And then another thing I would love to talk about is politics in general. In this past midterm election, we saw so many people trying to motivate teenagers to vote. That's such an important thing. And we did see a higher youth turnout rate. It's the highest in two decades, I believe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I saw a lot of social media stars, like A-listers, actually trying to get their followers to get involved. What's your opinion on A-listers and stars and movie stars and actresses getting involved with politics? I mean, it's an obligation, I feel. Like, Taylor Swift, for example. Mm -hmm. If you've got hundreds of millions of followers, and a lot of them are, you know, kids. You know, when you were a kid, they were... A kid too and they grew up alongside you now they're old enough to vote i feel like it's a moral obligation to encourage people maybe not even take a specific political stance but encourage people to get out there and vote because if you have that power and you have that influence you should be using it for good things. yeah i think some opponents were saying oh these people they sing for a living or they act for a living like they should not be involved with politics and even if they just want their followers to vote like they shouldn't be taking pictures with political runners, for example, Hillary Clinton. Taylor Swift should not be supporting one specific um, campaigner. What's your opinion on that? Okay, that's completely unreasonable. That's like telling people who work in Intel or Apple, you shouldn't vote because you just work in tech. Like, what do you know about politics? That's like telling a student, you shouldn't vote. You're just, you're way too young. The point is they have a voice in the country Mm -hmm. and it's amplified and they're using it for what they believe in. Plus, how do you think these people get so famous? They're not just singing and then just going home. They're like 
amazing business people. Mm -hmm. They know how to play politics in their own way. If you look at it from a practical side, they're the ones who are most equipped to really get into the political side of things. And along the lines of A-listers and movie stars, people who are famous. I think social media played such an important role in this year of elections, even actually presidential elections. We saw just how much social media influenced people's perspectives. Um, So do you think like social media is a benefit or like a good thing or a bad thing in terms of politics? That's a that's a heavy one. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you know how to weed out credible sources, if you have a source saying that Hillary Clinton once like, I don't know, said something super racist, which you know she didn't say, but people who aren't necessarily as educated or as um, prone to see- seeing fake news believe in it, then it's it's detrimental to the voting process. Mm-hmm. But I think largely the amount of influence that social media had, especially with youth voters, which is so important, that was largely positive. Like mm-hmm. social, social media is our future. There's no denying it. You look at the growing amount of followers and you look at how many teens are always on their phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, text messaging, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you use, you're reaching people. And even if you don't think you're directly impacting yeah. them, that thought's getting in their head. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more positive than negative, but there are definitely some things that people need to learn to leave out. Yes. And do you think these companies like Facebook, even Google, do they have an obligation to make sure that they weed out these fake news? Just like, do they have an obligation to make sure what's being put out is correct? Definitely. Especially with Facebook, right? Yeah. yeah. The whole involvement in the election. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to weed out fake news. I mean, of course, they're not going to like delete the onion because that's satire. But (laughs) um, things saying that that Donald Trump was once saved a drowning child from a river and that's why you should vote for him. (laughs) I'm still like surprised who believed it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you really need to these companies have an obligation they need to be able to weed out the fake news and yes there may be some biased news sources but they should also try to keep especially facebook and such they should try to keep the the news they project mainly nonpartisan, so people mm-hmm. can create their own point of view mm-hmm. and after doing the research after really examining the candidates and what they believe in if you're a republican or a democrat go for it yeah but you need to have that knowledge, and I feel like these social media sites and the internet is, um, like Google and Bing, if people use that, mm-hmm. um, they are obligated to make sure people have the information and the correct information they need. Yeah. Well, I know that recently Facebook launched a new feature where all of their political ads must have like a section that tells you who it's sponsored by mm-hmm. and who it's paid by. But it's not working super well right now so hopefully they work on that because i think it is such a huge thing it's always like follow the money right Mm -hmm. where it comes from that how that's how it shapes the message right who shapes the message is who pays for it (laughs) but also another point to touch on is he mentioned it before like republicans and democrats like it takes people to really explore and delve in do their research before they decide Mm -hmm. truly what you know, party variant. And correct me if I'm wrong, most teens are actually undecided right now. And I think it's good to be undecided. Yes. Um, like, when when you say undecided, a lot of them are just kind of going for what they feel is moral, which yeah. in this case right now is the mm-hmm. Democrats, but it could possibly change. A lot of teens, especially teen boys, are 
you know, watching one Ben Shapiro video and saying, this is revolutionary, I'm conservative now, without really realizing what mm-hmm. conservatism is. And if they research and if they get into it and they, then they realize they're conservative, then totally, you do you. I do think that a lot of teens right now need to be more informed. Yes. Because they're either undecided or they're jumping into a viewpoint without being informed, without reading up, without yeah. realizing the statistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just like following where the crowd is. Like we don't want to be alienated because of their views as well. That's an issue actually right now. Like if you're, for example, supporting Trump or you're a Republican, I think especially in this area, some, some you would get a lot of backlash. And I don't know if that's a good thing because right now I think we should be promoting conversation, mm-hmm. being able to talk about their differences and explain why they believe in such thing. But I almost feel like people can't explain why they believe in what they believe mm-hmm. anymore. And there's no middle ground anymore. <laughs> like yeah. either you're you're super left leaning Democrat, pro Hillary, mm-hmm. or super super right leaning conservative, go Trump. There's never any middle ground anymore, and I think that's a big problem, especially within the youth, because that makes us so idealistic. Yes. I mean, when you saw the March for Our Lives, mm-hmm. a lot of teens were thinking practically. They're like, how do we make this happen? But a lot of youth were also going, we either need to get rid of all guns, or we can't take any guns away at all. And I feel like that's yeah. such an idealistic point of view to have, because gun control, whether you support it or not, you know that we need a change. There's been a mass shooting almost every day of this year. And so we do need a change, but it's not going to come from taking away people's guns all of a sudden, but it's also not going to come from remaining completely stagnant. We need to be able to come up with a lasting policy that really takes small steps. And I think that's what people aren't realizing in general, that there's a middle ground for issues that need to be resolved. Yeah. So how do you think we can help teens and understand that there is middle ground and there's more than just all guns or no guns, you know, it's like not an all or nothing situation. Really expose them to the facts. I mean, I know a lot of people whose intentions are great and Mm -hmm. they're thinking we need to stop uh, gun violence. And so let's just take away all the guns and everything will be good, right? Mm -hmm. But they're just not looking at the facts. They're not thinking practically. We really need to drill in this idea that, you know, we can be idealistic, but not to a point where it's impossible. Yeah. Right? So we can think we can bring down the deaths from gun violence. Mm -hmm. That's idealistic, but it's still possible, and it's a good goal to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was not the right choice of words. Wow. <laughs> but um, we can't just say that we need to take away all guns. We can't be all or nothing, and I think we really need to drill that into people's heads. And the way to do that is by presenting non-biased news sources, especially mm-hmm. because people are either reading CNN or they're reading Fox. And Fox is always going, all oh, liberals are bad. Ah, we hate California. Um, and CNN's like, no, no more yeehaw. We hate Texas. Yeah. All conservatives are bad. But like really finding like credible news sources that bring out the bias and just give the cold hard facts. Yeah. I feel like we don't even read the news anymore, which is yeah. kind of sad. So I would say that most people get their news from, like, I know I follow Instagrams like BuzzFeed News, which yeah. I get a lot of news from, actually. And I know a lot of teens get their um, news from Facebook. Mm-hmm. So how do we get these facts and news to teens who don't really like reading news? Then we don't make them read the news. We bring them to these outlets, BuzzFeed News. We make we make uh, things more accessible for teens. We put it on social media. Even if they're just reading a headline, that's better than reading nothing at all. Because in order to form an opinion, you need to 
remain informed and you need to remain up to date. And even if we're utilizing the one minute videos on Facebook from mm-hmm. Alice, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. use those. Mm-hmm. Um, Snapchat stories. I don't know how long Snapchat uh, pictures are because I'm an old lady when it comes <laughs> to that. But even Instagram stories, I use that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, people make a post and I'll just put the thumbnail on it. And even if people don't click on the post and read the full thing, they're at least looking at the thumbnail and remaining informed. And I think we can't force people to do something they're not going to do. Yeah. So it's utilizing what they already use. Mm-hmm. BuzzFeed always, people are always watching BuzzFeed. Uh, captivating headlines and make people want to read more. One minute videos from now this and other Facebook uh, pages, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just seeing a title or seeing a headline influences teenagers. So in this decade of anything we see really influences us. What are we trying to make sure our teens see? What does Gen Z want to see these days? Flashy headlines. Yeah. Like, I mean, even me, if I see a headline that says tax spending to rise 3.12%, I don't care. <laughs> um, but if I see a headline that really explains the effects of it, um, you know, millions of families about to have raised taxes, that captivates me. So we really need to get in there with the exciting headlines, captivate people. Mm-hmm. Even if that seems a little bit off, you present the actual facts in the article. Yeah. That's what you do. And social media is such an important tool. Yeah. You cannot deny that. Like anything and everything people say on social media remains forever. Uh, screenshots, you know, even if people delete it, it remains forever. And it's so influential because even if you're scrolling past it, you're still reading it. Yeah. But I also feel like right now, like we are so saturated with headlines, information on social media. Do we really immerse and actually process what we're reading? Oh, no, definitely not. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a good starting point. I got on social media when I was like 11 or 12, which was bad in some ways. because like <laughs> I got exposed to all this stuff really young. But it was also good because I started off this phase of just reading the headlines really early. Mm-hmm. And then I started to get more involved. After a while, I got tired of reading the headlines and I realized read more in depth about it. And I started reading more political theory. I started reading into the news and debating with people and having conversations and I think it comes in phases being informed first you just read the headlines then you read the news then you really start talking to people and having those conversations then you get involved in something you believe in mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people are just stuck in that area where they stop reading the headlines and they don't know how to pro- progress forward so I think it's important for people to realize that there are steps you can take after that yeah and also there's a big misconception about Gen Z. Like, we're always on our phone. We only want conversations over the virtual world. Yes, we love having the tools of social media, like Facebook Messenger, iMessage, but we do value still our face-to-face conversations. And is it such a bad thing that we want virtual conversations? I know, right? (laughs) I mean, face-to-face conversations, I have those all the time, but also... I mean, we live in Silicon Valley. There's like two re- Republicans here. Um, so having those virtual conversations with, say, someone who lives in Arkansas and has a completely different viewpoint on things, is that so bad? 
Because people are always saying you're on your phone. You're never speaking face-to-face, which first of all, we are. Mm -hmm. And second of all, this whole boom of social media has led me especially to be able to talk to people I never thought I could talk to. I've met people from Texas, D.C., Arkansas, Oklahoma, and I never thought I'd be able to talk to people who... It made me realize that I live in such a bubble. And I feel like this idea of social media being so detrimental to teens is completely wrong because it's actually extending our worldviews and it's making us more informed. Yeah, and I, I actually think that there's a big surge of inclusivity. We're recognizing how sometimes social media is detrimental. Like the whole idea of being perfect on Instagram and like face tuning yourself is actually like we're noticing it and we're actually trying to make a change. I know Dove is yeah. doing a real body campaign, which is amazing. I think it's just like recognizing that we are so different and how we portray ourselves on social media isn't the real us and it's great that we're recognizing it and companies who are really showing that they do know that we are different and they're really celebrating that are doing well yeah and i i mean it's there that that bias that idea of i have to present this perfect version of myself is there on social media i think they just reached 11k followers and every day i'm thinking i need to post something what if people don't like this? I can't put this on my story because then I sound annoying. And at some point you start to realize that you're not being genuine. And I think it's just being self-aware because there are definitely some downsides to social media. But if you can push past those, I have a platform. Like social media, I met Michelle Obama because of my social media. Let's talk about that. Wait, that's amazing. It was I'm still not really sure it happened. <laughs> like, I feel like it was just a fever dream of some sort. But um, my parents, like, beforehand, they used to be like, you're always on your phone. You look at how much time you spend on social media. And afterwards, I think they've kind of toned it down because they're just like, she met Michelle Obama because <laughs> of social media. Like, my mom especially, because my mom also met Michelle Obama because of that. She's like, Bria, just go on Instagram as much <laughs> like, as you want. Yeah. Do you, like, meet, like, Mr. Obama now. Yeah. Like, Barack Obama. Meet someone else as well. Yeah, but uh, I think social media, having her shout me out, have, being on the app Instagram account, mm-hmm. has given me such a platform. And, yes, it's really scary to me because all of a sudden I have like 10,000 more people following me watching me I have DMs with people saying you're my hero you're my inspiration and I'm just thinking no I still oversleep I still (laughs) don't wake up in the morning I'll show up to school in pajamas and not even realize that it's pajama day I'll just be that tired like I'm just a regular human and I feel like social media really idealizes people and makes people into these perfect figures that they're not and I think we need to realize that Mm -hmm we need to stop being so overly critical of everyone too yes <laughs> because there, like i said there's no in between we need to learn how to get that in between that these people are human they will mess up sometimes they will say things that they're not supposed to say um even this whole canceling people because of something oh, man. Said on Twitter. like i totally agree if i mean what was that rapper xxx or 10 to now yeah, yeah i don't even know <laughs> um, i mean there's a difference between him who literally like abused his ex-girlfriend and beat up a man because he thought that dude was gay like oh. that's just being homophobic sexist and he just he did a bunch of other things he sexually assaulted like a girl that's that's something you cancel that's mm. not okay but a celebrity tweeting out something in 2012 when people weren't nearly as aware mm-hmm. And apologizing for it, that's different. And yeah. I think we need to realize that the people behind the screen are human too. It's also the past, right? People change. You're not the same person yeah. you are from like 2010. 
2010, I was a 10 year old. Like, I'm definitely not the same person. It's also like recognizing and accepting that people mm-hmm. change and giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. It's really important. But in general, it's all about like having that middle ground and also like just being able to take, have a conversation with people. It's really important. When you have opposite spectrums of people, if they don't talk to each other, it's always going to be toxic. It's always going to be like, them versus us, right? It mm-hmm. should always be a together thing. Even if we have differences aside, we should have a voice to speak up, but also the voice to gather around and discuss our differences. And I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. This is like coming to the end of our podcast, but do you want to plug anything at all? Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> like, actually, um, if you are in the Bay Area, even if you're not in Fremont, we are looking for students and even parents to help out with our work to rule protest. Uh, because we need people to help us out and if we get people from even out of Fremont it shows that we're not alone in this fight and it really shows the school board that we can do a lot other than that follow me on Instagram but honestly do I just checked out her Instagram it's awesome there's a lot of cool people on there so check it out and what is your Instagram handle? Bria Kataria X R-I-Y-A-K-A-T-A-R-I-A-X yeah, and that will be the end of our podcast. Thank you again for coming and talking to us. Me. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today on The Lens. You can listen to more podcasts and check out videos and articles and more about Gen Z on our website, jenslens.com. Until next time.